Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're sitting here at the tail end of June. In fact, it's the evening of June 30th here at the time of the recording, which means most of you, you're going to be listening to this episode to kick off your July. So for those, I want to welcome you to Camp Month. As the Bears camp, it's just a few short weeks away. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm so happy that you're here for another edition of Countdown to Camp, our summer-long positional preview series. We've done a great job of previewing a handful of positions on both sides of the ball, and with the holiday weekend here in the States, we all thought it would be a perfect time to focus on the third phase, as today's episode is a complete preview of hashtag Bears Special Teams. Here with me today, I have my co-host, Mason West. It's going to just be this dynamic duo today, Nicholas Moriano. He's out with the cold right now. So, Mason, how has your week gone? I'm excited to have you on. Week's been going really well. Uh, we talked about a little earlier before the show started how warm and humid it's been kind of both for, for both of us. And powering through that's been a little tough. But I'm really glad that I did leg day today. Got my hamstrings fired up. So that way, you know, I'm ready to carry this podcast with Nick now here. There we go. By the way, did you see that David Montgomery apparently wanted to be a part of our discussion here today? I missed that. What is that all about? He had some mic'd up segment. I saw it on Facebook after dinner where he was just talking to Coach Nagy. A, he wanted to put the pads on there in OTAs, and you can't do that. And then he was talking about, he was watching special teams, I guess. He's like, do you think Coach Tabes will put me out there? And Nagy's like, you can't do that. You're a big-time running back now. So, he just wants to get out there and play some football. It was a lot of fun to see his energy, and apparently he feels a little disrespected. He was talking to Coach about where CBS ranked him uh, in running backs as 25th, and uh, I think he has some you know choice words for him, and he's excited to kind of prove it with his play here this season. But, yeah, I thought it was pretty comical to hear David Montgomery asking if he can go play some special teams because that's what you do in June when you can't do any pads, any contact. He just wants to go out there and play some ball. You know, I think the Bears were actually listening to the last podcast when I asked for some more content, right? They finally threw out a luxurious five-minute video of uh, Roquan and, and Monty being mic'd up. Like, yeah, didn't realize there were such fans of the show. Yeah, that's what he knew that the special teams episode was going to happen here soon. And he figured, throw me in there. I can, do, I can return a kick. Who knows? We do have to figure out who's going to be doing that later on in the show. But Mason, before we fully dive into the meat and potatoes of today's show, I need to give a huge shout out to all those Bears fans who have taken the time to review our show over the last couple of weeks. Thanks to that support, we surpassed our goal of 650 reviews on Apple Podcast, which means we have to give away a jersey today. And we'll do that right before we play some over under at the end of the show. So that way we have to listen through. And I saw earlier we're up to 677 reviews, which is just incredible. So if you forgot to leave your review, I would encourage you to go ahead and do that right now because that means we're only 23 more reviews away from 700. So we'll be giving away another free Bears jersey then. And given the current momentum, that could be as soon as next week. It was two weeks ago we had 624. We're now at 677. So who knows? We can be giving away two jerseys here within a matter of back-to-back weeks. But thanks again for all the reviews. They really do go a long way towards us finding more Bears fans like us, like you, and really just helpful for our goal of getting us potentially a major sponsor for this upcoming season. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. 
But Mason, I'm ready to talk about some special teams. Are you? Let's do some fireworks getting ready for the fourth. Let's do it. And I want to get this train rolling. It's what everyone tuned in here for today. And that's going to be this in-depth preview of Chris Tabor's unit special team. So to kick things off, we may as well begin with our best foot forward. It was this time a year ago when we were previewing Bears kickers. We had Eddie Pinero and Ramiz Ahmed. And oh boy, how quickly things have changed. In came Cairo Santos late in training camp last season after Pinero suffered a groin injury. To state that Santos made the most of his opportunity is probably a bit of an understatement. The veteran kicker came in, which was his second stint with the Bears, and ended up as a franchise record holder with consecutive field goals made, 27, and his 94% field goal percentage is another Bears record. Those high marks for Santos' little helper earned him a new deal here in Chicago, and for a team that's just been dampered with kicking woes in recent seasons— had what I'll call you know, a kicking carousel over the last few years, things are finally looking pretty solid for the Bears here. So, Mason, I'll go to you. After a record-setting season that led to this new deal, I believe it's fair to hold our standard for kicker a little higher entering this season compa- compared to last year's. So I'm curious, am I correct? Should we hold Santos to a high standard this season? Should we expect similar results, or should we brace ourselves for a reality check? So, you know, as Bears fans... We're a little scarred when it comes to kickers, of course. Uh, every single time you see the kicking unit trotted out there, you expect the terrible to occur. And it took a little while for me personally to feel confident <laughs> when I saw that happen, that that you weren't just holding your breath, uh, that, hey, even the simplest extra point was going to be a debacle. Uh, and Santos really, he raised the bar. He raised that standard to kind of that Robbie Gould-esque uh, standard that we are so used to here in Chicago. And it was something that was exciting, right? And it's something that now when it was time for a kick, you're like, all right, I can go to the bathroom. I can grab an extra beer. That's fine. You know, the kick's going to go through. I don't have to watch this. And it was just kind of funny when Santos got his extension this summer and how many Bears fans or some of the, the pundits out there who are discussing the, the extension were upset about it. And I think the, one of the biggest things is probably the timing. Uh, he was signed on 319. Uh, before this, the only other moves were Mario Edwards, Buster Screen, uh, the franchise tag of A-Rob, and some smaller re-signings. So I think that was really the biggest issue that a lot of people have, where in a preseason offseason that they expected a lot of moves for the Bears to make. They were like, kicker, that's it? And you're going to give him a $9 million contract? And I was like, well, yeah, he deserved it. To be able to have a position locked in that, I mean, do we forget these names? Chris Blewett, Redford Jones, Elliot Fry. Spencer Evans, my favorite, Casey Bednarski out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty – take take the nine mil and let's just have that position locked in. For sure. Lock it. And, I mean, Mason, it's hard not to be excited about a kicker who didn't miss a field goal attempt since week three of last season. I mean, he was just an unstoppable force back there. And like you, my confidence – even though it took some time to you know earn that trust, it's there and it's established. And for me, entering this season, I don't know if we're gonna have to say he needs to hit ninety five percent of his kicks, you know, to reach uh, a success level this year. But by golly, he's someone that I would hope uh, doesn't have any major setbacks and can just be the guy for yet another season in Chicago. I'm curious, though, from your vantage point, and I know it's hard to find much to kind of nitpick at after such a consistent season, but is there any room for improvement from Santos that you would like to see? I think kickoffs. When you looked at uh, PFF and how they ranked him, he was 23rd ranked with 64.6. Obviously, the changes in how kickoffs have been done in the the league recently make it a little better and easier to stomach of course uh because a lot more players are taking that touchback uh without instead of running it out but it would be nice to consider not have the other team consistently start from the 30 the 40 uh seems like maybe the leg strength is maybe lacking a little bit especially at a place like soldier field that does get a bit gusty and then especially when you're playing the winter so if you're gonna nitpick it probably go to that um because like you said otherwise he's doing a great job yeah, that's where I was going to nitpick. You mentioned the PFF ranking. Uh, he was 35th out of 38 kickers last year in terms of average yards on kickoff. So you talk about the leg strength. I know the Bears did a good job despite that. Eighth lowest return average allowed, 19 yards. So a testament to the kick coverage team in that regard. But I don't know, Mason. It's not like in this stage of his career I would expect his leg strength to go up or anything of that nature. Is this something where 
we're just going to have to kind of accept that's just who he is? I think so. It's just one of those things. It is what it is. Uh, maybe we'll talk about another individual later. If they decide, let's try him out at, at that position uh, in terms of doing the kickoffs. It might be worth it, um, especially as you do age, right? You That power tends to decrease. So if that was the biggest issue that he has, great. I'm going to live with that, you know, but it would be, it'd be nice if you could make it a slightly better, you know, being ranked 23rd is not exactly a ringing endorsement. No, not by any means, but it is PFF. I love their stats. I take their grades with a total grain of salt, but you mentioned the other guy and we'll talk about him next. That's Patrick O'Donnell, but I just want to mention, I don't know how much Madden you play. Uh, I play with my kid once in a while and I always find it comical that under depth chart, they always have O'Donnell as the kickoffs uh, kicker instead of Santos and years past, like a Barth or a Parkey. It's always been O'Donnell. I don't know how that's hard-coded into the game, but maybe the Bears need to take a page out of that book as well if they want a little more oomph in those kickoffs. But I just didn't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. I haven't played Madden in the last three or so years, uh, just mainly because I feel like it hasn't changed as much as I wish it did. It just seems like I'm playing the same game. But that's really interesting you bring that up. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. You know, it's just a roster update, which I've gotten a few of those uh, community files. I was playing with my brother the other day, and he was the Ravens, and I took him to town with Justin Fields back there at quarterback. So that was a lot of fun. I uh, just want to make sure I throw that out just in case he's listening into this episode. Um, but let's go ahead and officially move to punter, which means it's time to talk about one of the longest tenured Bears. And that, of course, is Patrick O'Donnell, who's entering his eighth season in Chicago. O'Donnell is coming off a year where he had the 10th most punts in the NFL 64, which is actually close uh, to his career low. Uh, So if you want to talk about offensive struggles, look at that number. And he had the third most punts inside the 20, which was 28, as well as the third most yards per punt at 45.7, all according to the stats on NFL.com. So Mason, for you, I'm just curious, when you reflect on O'Donnell's 2020 season, what stands out? It's, It's a lot of meh. For me, it's he's not a fantastic punter. There's just you can go all the way back to I believe it was what 2018, right? Where his punt in the Eagles game, you're just like all we needed was of some depth on that punt, and you couldn't really get it. Uh, you look at again, take these numbers with a grain of salt, like PFF. He ranks last among all 32 teams with a ranking of 54.4. His average yards per punt is 45.7, which I mean that's just his pure numbers, which is 20th in the league. But then he actually does really well when it came to punts inside the 20, yes. uh, ranked fourth, which is interesting. So maybe it's kind of similar. Maybe it's not necessarily the power that you would want, but the accuracy and ability to pin teams inside of the 20 was pretty good. It's just very average. It's, it's just kind of right where you would, you're okay with it. I'm wondering if I actually sorted those punt stats backwards with the, because I had the 45.7 being the third least or third most yards per punt on NFL.com stats. So maybe I clicked that sort button twice and it gave it to me in reverse order because you had the same number. And obviously we had two different perspectives on what that number meant. So that's something that I may, as you talk again soon, may double check, or it looks like you may be doing some investigating here too, as you scan around your screen, but you mentioned it. O'Donnell was getting what I called in my notes, getting his Brad Maynard on a a little bit with kind of downing some of those kicks inside the 20, really due to some directional punting that we didn't see earlier on is in his career. Now he's not like the coffin corner King, like a Brad Maynard was, but it's still an element of his game that you see that he's kind of improved on, you know, 28 kicks down inside the 20 is a pretty good number for someone where each and every season, when I get to this episode, that's something I've been clamoring for. And so to see that come to fruition, finally to me is you know a positive sign uh but at the same time like you said he's still someone he's an average punter but i think we all know what we're getting there as well and i'm going to move on here where i look at my notes i see o'donnell he had the ninth lowest net and that's really what i wanted to kind of steer this conversation ninth lowest net average 39.5 what would you attribute that to when you're reflecting is that does o'donnell out kicking his coverage Poor coverage in general. You know, when I see one of the worst net averages in the league, you know, I see a defense that's not being put in favorable positions uh, often as opposing offenses are just given, you know, that advantage with that better starting field position. And that needs to get corrected. So I'm curious, what can O'Donnell do to kind of help get that back on track? You have to look at it as a combination, right? And there's 
there's way more to punting than people think, you know, right. It's not just kicking it how far and hoping for the best. There is the aspect of, like you said, out kicking your coverage, if you have a strong leg, but you know, your, your guys are in the position that, that you know, just time-wise to get down there. That's not a, on the, a good look for the punter. You look at it at the kick coverage guys, you know, are you getting down and are you getting past those, uh, the, the defenders in order to cover the kick? Um, you had one of the faster players in the league last year as a gunner in Cordero Patterson. So it's, I'll be a little surprising if it really fell heavily into that scenario. Um, but it really does. It is, it's a whole team perspective, you know, and, and not just that, but also then to the coaching, how are you setting up your, your kick coverage? And that has to overall improve. It really does. Cause if at the end of the day, you're getting, you know, in the thirties for that net, that's, barely changing the field position. You might as well just chuck the ball downfield on fourth down and hope for a long bomb. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, when I look at the numbers of punts inside the 20 and I just reflect on last season, I feel like there's just more in the offense of those mid-drive stalls that we saw. They were able to kind of get a first down or two, reach midfield or so, and then that's when they would end up having to exit the field and then the punting team would go on. It wasn't like O'Donnell was constantly kicking you know with his back against his own goal line he was more down you know around midfield area so it's easier to kind of pad those stats uh, as well is there anything else on mr o'donnell that you wanted to mention here at this portion of the show no i've done too much it's so far the theme you kind of see with these two is consistency you're relatively consistent with o'donnell there weren't too many times last year where you're scratching your head and you're like that was awful uh, there are costly a couple of instances there where you're, not that, you're, you're thinking that wasn't the best. You're just hoping that, you know, this next year that there was some time that he could have, he took to, yeah, improve on some of that leg strength because he's at the age where he can absolutely do that. And then you look at, we're going to look at some of the players later that hopefully some of that kick coverage can improve with some of the additions that have occurred in that area. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, O'Donnell hasn't totally lived up to that mega punt name that kind of came out of, from him, following him out of Miami you know, years ago uh, when the Bears drafted him. But let's go ahead and let's take a look at Long Snapper. So that's the other Patrick. And I'm talking about, of course, Patrick Scales. Uh, I'll be honest, there's not much analysis when it comes to this position, but we do promise you know, our listeners to discuss every player and every position heading into camp. So with scales, one major note that I have is that come week one, he should have complete the trio for field goals, you know, scales to O'Donnell to Santos. It's good. And when that happens, that'll be the first time in nine seasons that the bears will be returning that core trio. The last time was 2012 with gold Podlish and Patrick Manley. So I love that consistency. If we can make that come to, you know, actual fruition and to be true come week one, that should only help, you know, when we talked about Santos and his ability to kind of repeat last year's performance, keeping that core intact, I think, will go a long way, keeping that chemistry together. Um, but what about you, Mason? Uh, what do you want to bring to the table for this ever-awaited long snapping segment? So, again, long, we talked about this a little bit when it came to punter and things like that. There's a lot more that does go on in terms of the long snap and what you alluded to in terms of just the comfort level, how things tie together, the timing for the kick. And that's really important, right, from the snapper to the holder to the kicker. And that's why so many teams ultimately ended up shifting from having their backup quarterback as their holder because there was more time that the punter and the kicker and the long snapper could spend together and maximize that chemistry since they're kind of just chilling together and they're not really doing it as much during training camp uh when it comes to patrick scales he got the job done there's nothing outstanding that i saw in terms of you know bad snaps there wasn't anything outstanding in terms of uh you know penalties or anything like that and that's really what you want get the ball back there uh, he did have one tackle last year which was a 50 percent reduction from his tackles <laughs> the year before so you know get back on that get back up to two there patrick yeah, he's not a you know he's not a manly out there who's you know leading the charge and racking up tackles each and every season. That would be a nice you know wrinkle to his game, but also I don't know you don't want one of the least built guys and I'm going to say that kindly going out there and laying out hits and going through all that types of contact. So I can understand it, um, but yeah, the consistency here is the biggest one when it comes to Patrick Scales. Anything else? Can you imagine the headache that would create? If Patrick Scales went down with some kind of injury in the middle of week two, just bringing in another long snapper and having to deal with building that, that'd be awful. Just you don't, don't worry about the tackles. Get the snap back there and we'll, we'll deal with it. 
Yeah, no, that would be uh, quite the predicament for the Bears. And that's why we take these moments here throughout June slash July, depending on when you're listening slash watching this episode, to discuss uh, this ever important position. And I also love this episode because we get to roll right through. We have already talked about the three major players in this entire episode. Love special teams episodes. So up next, we're going to turn our focus to the return game that's going to look much different than a year ago. But before we do, uh, I believe we do have a handful of shout outs that we need to kind of give out here uh, for those listeners who donated to the show this week. So let's go ahead and do that. We have, and my count is correct, seven. So we have Stephen Haynes all the way from the UK. I saw that one come in, Stephen. I really do appreciate uh, your continued support. I know you've donated off and on you know, throughout the last year or so. So thank you so much, Stephen. We have Ramon Morales. Ramon, just want to say thank you again for your donation, your support of our show. And we have Corey, and let me try this last name, Delaquila. Uh, Corey, uh, thank you for the pronunciation kind of exercise here on the show, as well as your support. And then we have Connor Selnow, all the way from Wisconsin. Connor, thank you so much. Jaden Meckledowney, uh, which gave a decent donation. Nick made, wanted me to make sure I give him an extra special shout-out. Uh, so, Jaden, thank you for your tremendous support of the show. That really means a lot to both Nick, myself, and Mason as well. And then we have Jesse Colson uh, from Virginia. So we get people from all over the country, heck, across the pond as well. So Jesse, thank you for your support of the show. And if you want to help us out at the Chicago Audible, uh, these donations go a long way to helping us cover the cost of our website, uh, getting new equipment. Mason needs a green screen. I think Nick helped uh, help Nick get another microphone that he's actually testing out now. He got it in this week, so that should be unveiled next week on our next episode uh, so this really does help us uh, tremendously just kind of up the game on our show uh, so to go ahead and donate you can find us on venmo at the chicago audible you'll see uh, nick's name pop up so nicholas moriano and the chicago audible logo and if you want to go ahead and donate via paypal uh, you can by going to www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, thank you so much to everyone who donated this week. It really does mean a lot to all of us here as we want to continue to progress uh, the product that we put out both on the podcast side and here on the live stream. All right, Mason, we just have a couple more topics before we give away that free jersey. So let's jump back in and focus on kick returner. And after two years of Cordero Patterson at the helm for the Bears, Things are going to be looking new here for 2021, and whoever really assumes these duties, they're going to have some serious cleats to fill. Patterson was the second best kick return average in 2019 and in 2020, averaging about 30 yards per return. But of course, he was a little bit too pricey for the Bears this offseason, so he is no longer a Bear. He's now in Atlanta. Something about Bears great returners going to Atlanta, I guess, because I remember when Devin Hester did the same. But there are some players on the roster who have kick return experience, whether it be collegiate or professional. So I'm curious, Mason, out of those players, and I won't list them because I don't think that's going to help anyone if I talk about five more players and ramble on some more stats. I'm just curious, who's on your short list? The first name that really pops into my head is Coyle Herbert. I think he's going to be just a really interesting guy, and you – Got people who've listened to the podcast over the last couple of weeks have heard me talk about people being very versatile, you know, and, and I love that versatility. So someone like him who can earn a roster spot by kick, returning kicks and then, you know, knock on wood that if there ever was an injury to David Montgomery or anything like that, who could step in and potentially take on a little bit more of that lead back role could, would be great. Um, a second person that would be also interesting there who has more experience would be Damian Williams. You know, I know he's done it before. A similar situation, just more experience where if there was an injury, he could step in as a workhorse, but he really can earn his keep on the roster with the kick returns. Yeah, Herbert and Williams are both on mine. So for Damien Williams in his career, uh, he returned kicks with the Dolphins back in 2015 at a 21.8 yard average. Uh, Herbert, last year at Virginia Tech, he returned 16 kicks for 430 yards, which is about a 27 yard per return average so when you i mean obviously you can say one number is bigger than the other but kick returns in college are much different than what they are now in the pros 
Uh, and then when you just look at some of the other players with experience, whether it be Marquise Goodwin, who did it back in 2013, Artavis Pierce, who had 27 kick returns his sophomore year at Oregon State, and then Demir Bird, who we talked about last week with the receiver preview, uh, who has 14 career kick returns for 353 yards and one touchdown. I think the Bears are going to, I would hope, try you know a few of these guys. Maybe there's a player or two that's not even on this list who they're intrigued by that can get a shot at it. I know when I get to training camp, that's going to be something I'll be paying attention to is who do they have even fielding some of these kicks to give us an idea of who they're kind of expecting to assume this role. And Tree Cohen also has had the experience during his rookie year of returning kickoffs as well. But when it comes to Goodwin, you mentioned Williams and Bird. I still lean with Cleo Herbert because I think it's his best chance to you know get some additional touches that I think Williams would have ahead of him right now in the rotation on offense and really just put the fresh legs out there, right? Herbert, as a rookie, he's going to have a little bit more spring to his step, a little bit more spry. I would love to see if that can be a good way for him to really make an impact as a rookie, and I think those fresh legs will really help compared to like a Goodwin who's a little bit older. A little, I know he's fast, but still, like I don't know if I want him taking some of those hits, and he hasn't done it in about nine years, eight years. So it just... Maybe there's a little bit of rust there, but is there anyone else or any other additional kick return thoughts? Either way, I think the Bears are going to have a hard time replacing a Cordero Patterson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what Cordero Patterson brought to the special teams unit was something that you just can't replace with one player at this point in time, at least. It's going to be kind of a committee thing. And like you said, it's going to be a big question mark until training camp starts and we see who they're rolling out there. It probably won't even be the same person week one as it is to week 16, more likely than not week 17 etc etc so we'll have to wait and see on that but i do really like cool harbor shiftiness uh like you said i don't love the idea of taking someone like a Tariq cone who's had the recent injury uh, a mooney who's far too valuable on offense or someone like a marquis goodwin who he just been you know he's just on the older side you know and we still are unsure what that third wide receiver is going to look like so i'd rather than him focus there you know save the energy save the wear and tear for something like that throw those fresh legs out there Let's go ahead and do it. And I want to transition now from the kick return game over to the punt return game. And this is a spot over the last few seasons that is typically reserved for one player and one player alone. And that's Tariq Cohen. But prior to the 2020 season, uh, of course, that was that. But Cohen, if you want to remember what he can do as a punt returner, uh, he was the most productive punt returner in the NFL in 2018 and 2019 with 713 total punt return yards. But it was on a punt return last season in week three where he tore his ACL and he was out for the year. Uh, in his place, and I'm sorry I have to do this, the Bears tried Ted Ginn Jr., who didn't even want to field a punt. Uh, then came Dwayne Harris, who was okay, but then he ended up getting hurt as well. So then we tried DeAndre Carter. He was thrown into the mix. Anthony Miller had a handful of returns. But really, nobody came close to the type of production and impact that Tariq Cohen typically has here. The Bears were severely missing him in the punt return game. So, Mason, this is where I want you to put your medical hat on. Because, A, I heard about Cohen being a little stiff, uh, walking around in like a brace and just kind of straight-legged a bit uh, during OTAs. So I'm curious, are you concerned about his progress just by hearing that? I know you didn't watch him or anything. Uh, And if he is healthy enough to play week one, would you have him back near fielding punts right away? So it's actually funny. We talked about the video earlier that Dave Montgomery and Roquan Smith were in. And if you watch, there's one part where if you freeze, you kind of just see Tariq Cohen on the sideline hanging out. He's walking by and he's just looking, walking a little funky, in my humble opinion, of the three seconds that you can kind of see him there. Uh, you see it a couple other times in some previous videos that they posted. Uh, if you go farther, far back enough, you can find some, you know, where he's actually walking out of rehab and out of a straight leg brace sooner than I thought he would have been, to be completely honest. Um and it's just one of those things where it's like, are, is he going to even be ready for week one at this point in time, seeing where that or that lack of progress is? So his name might not even be ready for consideration at this point, you know, and that might have been something that the Bears looked into. We'll talk about that more with, at the running back position, why they brought in as many as they did in terms of a veteran like Damian Williams and a rookie like Kill Herbert. And let's say miraculously he is back and ready heck no, I'm not throwing him back there. There's just no reason at this point. I mean, he's so dynamic. You know, again, 2018 Eagles game, that return that he had to, you know, really push the Bears downfield in that final drive, electric. I'm going to love that moment up until the double doink, you know, whatever, moving on. (laughs) But at this point in time, there's just too much value that he has on offense. And so it's just not 
not worth it to have him back there. So even with a crowded running back room, you're st- you're still kind of because. So coming off an ACL, how mm. would a punt return differ from you know maybe just playing a general snap on offense, right? Because it's more quick burst, more probably lateral movement. Knowing Craig Cohen and his affinity for the sideline, lateral maybe his middle name. But is there any additional risk returning a punt? Maybe it's that. Uh, well, just how you're standing, right? And you're kind of in, you know, the fire lane right there as well. So that could just be an additional danger. I'm just curious if there is any additional risk uh, of that position in your mind just coming off that specific injury. Sure. I mean, look at how he hurt in the first place. You know, he yeah. hurt it on that punt return standing there and he got hit. It, it, you're, you know the hit's coming, but at the same time, you don't know exactly where it's coming from when you're in that punt return position because you're focused on catching the ball. If you're not, you're likely to drop it. Uh, versus when you're running the ball in a traditional offensive set, you have a better brain-to-muscle connectivity and control of that knee because you know where you're going on that play because the play is designed to go a certain direction. You can see the defenders much more easily. You can see the flow of the defense that's coming down on you. And so you have a bit of more of a natural guard effect that occurs in protecting that knee. But again, look at a punt return. You don't have you don't even know where you're going to be running the ball next. you got to catch it, assess what's in front of you, split second, and then take off. That happens a lot at the quarterback position. Look how Tom Brady tore his ACL, right? It's that unprotected, I'm standing in the pocket and I all of a sudden have a defender falling on my leg that I didn't expect. So there's just a lot more uncertainty and unknown when it comes to a punt return compared to how it would be on a regular offensive series. Yeah, no, that makes you know a ton of sense. And I appreciate you sharing that over with me and our listeners because Again, if you have a guy that you invested so much in last year with a contract extension, you, you don't want to risk it here. At least for me, I wouldn't risk it week one. I would give him some time to get more calloused uh, before I would maybe think about throwing him back out there. So if that's the case, we have a big hole to fill yet again this year because the Bears tried you know, to, to plug the leaking boat if you want to call it that, last season, and didn't work. They could not find someone that can just hold that job and do it well, and they tried a few different options, as I mentioned earlier. So like we did with kick return, I'm curious, you know, who's on your short list for candidates this year? Uh, me personally, it's a rookie, and it's not Khalil Herbert. It's going to be Daz Newsom, who had 48 punt returns, over 500 yards, and one touchdown at his time in North Carolina. And just like we talked about with Khalil Herbert, uh, with that wide receiver room as crowded as it is, I just want to get the rookie some touches and see what he can do. And this just seems like the easiest possibility for him. Oh, couldn't agree more. It's the collarbone break he has currently is not something that I would be as concerned with in terms of a punt return. So that would not be a something that would deter me like the ACL did with Tariq as we just talked about. And he has the experience in college, which is great. Again, we just, he has the young, fresh legs, which we talked about previously for the kick return. And it's just a way for him to get more and more touches in a more dynamic way. Now, if you wanted to just relegate and say, hey, look, we just want to catch the punt and let's move on. That might be when you went more with like a maybe an Anthony Miller. You know, he did. I think he had five, I believe it was five punt returns last year. And it was just like, oh, he got it. Great. Let's move on. Um, But if you truly want to have that third phase be something that can make a difference you i believe you have to put someone that has that ability to have a dynamic play like a tree cone was able to do and daz newsom seems like a guy that has that potential and we really can't underestimate the bears need to figure this out if it's not going to be a tree cohen because with an offense that has struggled so mightily over the last couple of seasons and i know we have a lot of hope that things can get turned around now with a change of quarterback few additional receivers, what they're doing at running back, the changes on the line, you know, those are what those episodes are about. But looking at the third phase, they need to do a better job of setting this offense up for success after a punt. That doesn't mean just fair catching. That means getting some yards back. If they can find a way to get, you know, five to eight yards and anything more as a bonus, that's just going to continue to help their chances of putting up points come game day, which, as we know, those are very hard to come by in 2020. So let's do what we can here in the punt return game to help out that offense in 2021, get a little closer. So maybe at least they get the field goal range a little easier or, you know, better luck in the red zone. So for me, I just want to make sure we put into perspective just how important it is for the Bears to find someone that can give them those five to six yards, if not more, before that offense actually takes the field. 
All right, so we have a few positions left to preview, and I'm sure there's some guys that we're going to discuss here. You know, we have safety, cornerback, running back, and quarterback left. So if you look at the first three, those guys, you're going to have a decent amount of those players having large special teams roles. But since this is a special team show, let's take a moment to maybe discuss any player who we think is going to be in this year's what I call a core group. And my first question for you, Mason, and it's a loaded one, so I apologize. Who's going to fill the Sherrick McManus role? I think it's someone that already has been in progressing towards that role. Uh, if you look at last year, the leader in total tackles was Sherrick McManus with 11, followed second by Iyabuniwe at 10. Solo tackles, McManus at 10, which ranked sixth in the league, by the way. Pretty impressive. Second on the Bears was Iggy with seven tackles, which ranked 19th overall in the league. So he's someone that is makes his hay in special teams. And he's already been progressing in that fashion, so why not think he would continue that trend to take over the mantle that Sherrick McManus has held so far? Did you have him making the team when we talked about linebackers? I'm trying to remember. Pretty sure I had I, I did. I had him and uh, a couple of the line. You and, you and uh, Nick had it split, and I took them both. That's right. And, that's, and this is a good reason why you did it, because as you said, Iggy is a big part of special teams, and even though he hasn't progressed on defense to the degree that we want him, wanted him to when the Bears drafted him, he's out there uh, you know, more times than not when it comes to any special team snap. Uh, he's played on 72% or more every single year as a pro uh, with a career-high 82% coming last season. I think there's another player, though, uh, that can fill this role, and maybe he won't have all the tackles or anything of that nature, but just in terms of pure volume of just being a special team, what I call ace, that's DeAndre Houston Carson. Uh, he has played on 81.5% of those special team snaps the last two seasons, and I know when we talk about DHC on the show over the last year or so, we've been kind of giving him some kudos for his defensive kind of turnaround a bit, actually getting on the field and making some decent plays on that side of the ball, but Ideally, in, in the real, real world, DHC is going to be a lifelong special teamer here in the NFL. So I think he's someone uh, that the Bears like in this role, and he's someone that can continue to kind of step up and only get better on the third phase. He does so many things. He's out there as a gunner. He's blocking. I mean, he's everywhere uh, when it comes to special teams. Are there any other players, Mason, that when you look at this roster that – Either you know their only shot is to make special teams or you expect them to only make the team just due to that ability to contribute here in the third phase? I have two players that I'm very interested to see what happens at training camp. Thomas Graham Jr., who I think can make a really big role there, and sleeper, Jake Butt. Ooh, he didn't even make my list. That's a real sleeper. I mean, when you look at J.P. Holtz last year, he played on 60% of those snaps. But obviously, if you're going to carry another tight end, if it is J.P. Holtz or if it is Jake Butt, they're going to have to kind of fill those snaps there as well. And I like that you mentioned Thomas Graham because I was actually going to ask you the question uh, because I was looking at Kendall Fildor, Duke Shelley, Buster Screen. They only averaged around 20% of those special team snaps last year, but I was, I'm confused by that. A DB should be able to contribute anywhere that you would need them to on special teams, whether they be a gunner, you know, over there in kickoff blocking or anything of that nature. I think Thomas Graham Jr., like you, could have a strong special teams role as a rookie. It's Again, it's another, I'm not going to say it's a loaded group. It's definitely retooled. There's a lot of players there vying for a few spots. So his ability to contribute on special teams uh, would go a long way for him making the final roster versus maybe starting his career on the practice squad. Uh, so I like that you mentioned him as well. What are your thoughts on Jordan Lucas and Marquis Quish, uh, Christian? I feel like they're kind of in that same boat for me. Yeah, they're just right on that edge, right? They're someone that you don't necessarily think are probably going to heavily contribute for you when it comes to the actual to defense because, uh, you know, you have your two starting safeties, which we'll discuss at another point. And then you kind of have, right, DeAndre Houston Carson would be that one that came in uh, if they needed another safety. I believe he came into the Buccaneers game last year and actually uh, made a pretty solid place there, uh, actually ending the, the game there. So they have to contribute. They really do. If they can't do special teams, then they're not going to be involved. Uh, we haven't really seen it at this point. You know, It's not like they're making a lot of plays or haven't, haven't done so. Uh, between the two, I mean, Marky Christian is a little more interesting to me, just kind of some of his 
his background, but between the but it's not necessarily a ringing endorsement for either. I'm curious to see what Christian Jones can do here. Uh, when he played for the Bears, uh, those few seasons, he played on 56% or more of all those special team snaps counts. So we'll see how he, Josh Woods, and Iggy, all three may have very strong uh, special teams roles there, even though they're inside linebackers. They'll be good death pieces. That's a good reason. You know, you mentioned keeping everyone on board. Uh, I think just looking at what all three can do in terms of contributing here in the third phase is super helpful. Um, but yeah, Marquis Christian, uh, he played for the Rams in 2018 and 2019 and appeared on almost uh, four-fifths of all the, their special teams plays. Uh, so he has that ability. Uh, so that would be someone, too, that I can d- definitely see making this final roster just due to that ability to kind of contribute there. Anyone else? I think that's it really for me. Uh, those are guys that kind of stuck out when I was kind of combing through the roster. Like, this is a guy who I believe will make the team. It's going to be a real integral part here of special teams. It's going to be a really interesting training camp because there has actually been a pretty large drop-off of players that were key special teamers. Like, Rakevius Mango played 82% mm-hmm. of special of snap count. Um, Ryan Nall, 64 65% of that. The question about whether he's going to be there or not. McManus at 45%. Ben Urban was at 34%. So a lot of these guys are really going to have to step up to fill that role. And because I'm sick of seeing the hashtag very special teams, you know, tweet pop up every so often, you know, I, I, we really need some solid people to not just to not make mistakes, right? Just be solid. You can't have the Bosch snaps. You can't have, you know, the running into the kicker to or you know, all those things. Just we need some s- solid people to step up at this point. Yeah, it's real interesting. Uh, just when you look at the roster and how you expect some of these numbers to go. But when you mentioned, you know, Amingo having that special teams presence. I don't see someone like a Vauders having the same impact. I don't see a Travis Gibson yeah. having the same impact. Uh, the guy that we, uh, Atachu that we brought in, maybe, um, but not really either. So where's that body go? And it looks maybe it's inside backer, or maybe they keep another tight end like a Jake Butt and J.P. Holtz because they both can play in special teams. It's That's what makes getting down to your final 53 real interesting is some of these bubble guys and trying to make that balance between having the best players for you know, both units, offense and defense, but also making the strongest special teams unit as well all at the same time. So it's a delicate balance, and the Bears definitely will have, I think, a few changes compared to previous years just with some of these personnel changes that we've seen as well. All right, well, Mason, guess what time it's for? Over-unders next to my list, which means we need to give away a free beard jersey real quick. Let's do it. All right, so... Earlier today, I went through my spreadsheet. I had Google give me a random number between 1 and 677. Okay, sorry. It was 1 and like 430 because that's all the written reviews I have. So, again, if you write it, I get your username, and then I get to put you into the giveaway. So the winner is Chase Ferree, F-E-R-R-E-E. So, Chase, congratulations for winning this free Bears jersey. Uh, Email me, will at chicagoaudible.com, or you can message our account uh, on Twitter or Facebook. I, I put in my notes any social media but I think Nick is the only one on Instagram, and I couldn't tell you the last time he posted over there. So hit me up on email, will at chicagoaudible.com, or again, message us on Twitter or Facebook. I'll definitely see it uh, as soon as possible. Uh, we can get the jersey, the size, your information, and we'll send it your way. And again, we're only 23 reviews away from another Bears jersey giveaway. So if you feel like, oh, no, I missed out, I forgot, do it now. And I promise we'll be giving away a free Bears jersey here sooner rather than later. So again, Congratulations to Chase Furry on winning a free Chicago Bears jersey for helping us reach our Apple Podcast Reviews goal. Get your Nick Foles Bears jersey now. Get it now. It's, it's hot commodity. Is it on sale yet? I, I, don't even, I don't even know. Like, Does anyone have a Nick Foles jersey? Like, Did anyone get one? I hope not. I think I've seen a few around, like in photos and things of that nature, uh, unfortunately. But I'm, I'm certain there are a few in circulation, Mason. But let's get into the final segment of our show here because I'm excited to, A, get through it. And then after we get through special teams, Mason, it's back to the grind. And I'm looking forward to cornerback, running back, safety, and, of course, ending countdown to camp with quarterbacks. So jumping in to our over-under segment, Mason, my very first one's about Patrick O'Donnell. I'm setting the bar at 67 punts for Patio. Are you going to take the over or under on that? Ooh, that is a good question. So 
considering he ranked 10th in total puns last year with 64, I'm going to go with the under because I believe the offense will be better than it was last year, combining how they were with both Foles and with Mitch. So I'm going to have to say under. I'm taking the under as well. The only wrinkle was that additional game for me that I was like, because you can punt, you know, a few times in one game and I can totally just skew this whole thing. So I'm taking the under two and just hopes uh, that some of those will turn into touchdowns, those drives or field goal attempts. So I'm okay with that as well. Uh, The next over under is still for patio. I'm going to give my 47 yard punt average. Uh, it was 45.7 last year. You talk, maybe he can add a little leg strength. Maybe he has a little additional field to work with this year, too. Will you give the over or under on 47 yards per punt? I'm going to go with under again, thinking that I think he's going to be kind of what he was last year. And on top of that, if the Bears' offense is better, he actually might be closer to the end zone and if anything, potentially increase the number of punts inside the 20 that he has, I hope so. which would, you know, also had that, which would hurt that average. Yes, it would uh, in a good way, hurting the average for the greater good. Uh, it would be the way to kind of express that one. I'm going to take the under as well for your reasons. And I just don't think he's going to miraculously to start averaging more than what we've seen throughout his career. Up next, the over under, how about one kick return touchdown for the Bears? What are you going to take? Over, because randomness. I mean, at some point in time, it's, it's Cordero only had one last year, I believe. Uh, was it during that Vikings game? And obviously, skill is a huge part of it. I mean, you see that with you all the way back to Devin Hester. And then if you go to Cordero, Cordero Passion, you know, not last year, but the previous ones, uh, he was more likely to return him than, you know, obviously anyone else in the league at that point in time. It's just all just so much. It's random. Like I just said, it, like, it depends on your blocking. It depends where the kick ends up. And, you know, if you're just going to kind of throw a dart at a wall, see what sticks with one, I'll take the over on that. Okay. I'll take the over too, uh, just because I'm the optimist and I don't want to say they're going to have, they're going to be shut out in the kick return game this year. I mean, this is Chicago. We have Patterson, we had Hester, I'm used to seeing some decent returns, so I'm going to take the over, too. Let's move to field goals, though. Are you going to take the over under on 90% of field goals made for Santos? I'm going to go over. He's He hasn't shown anything last year that would indicate that there's going to be anything different. The instances where he's been cut from teams or had off or poor seasons has been more injury-related. It seems like he's put that behind him, and so therefore there's nothing really to make me think that that would change. There you go. I'm taking the over as well at about 92%. For some reason, you don't live up to the same 94%. A little drop off, but that's probably just a matter of one kick uh, just being the big difference right around there. Uh, Same thing with field goals. Over under, five field goals of 50 or more yards. Uh, Only two last year. He was two of three on those attempts. But I feel like Matt Nagy doesn't like kicking field goals over 50 or more yards, at least if my memory serves me correctly. But still, I think five is a modest number for most NFL teams. But Mason, how about you? Uh, You can take the over under on five field goals of 50 or more yards. Under. Uh, And the biggest thing with that, like you just alluded to, is more with Nagy than with with Santos' ability to do so. Uh, Whether it was Nagy not believing in the kickers he had or simply, hey, we're – not close enough for the field goal, but we're too far not to try to go for it on fourth down. And, you know, he's the rootin' tootin'. I'm going to go for this and, you know, surprise all of you that I'm going to not. He's a weird guy. I I don't know what his thing with special teams is. It's he's just, it's under, (laughs) it's under. It's 2021 and it's been three years and we got our first Matt Nagy is a a weird guy on the podcast, Mason. (laughs) Long overdue, honestly, he is, he's a little kooky, Um, but he's fun all at the same time. So no shade to coach. Lots of fun. I'll take the over because I, again, I don't know why, but imagine having no nails by the end of the season, having to watch six field goals of 50 or more yards. That's attempts, let alone making them. Um, but it really struggles. Andy Dalton's just not finishing the job. We some more of those attempts. Justin Fields jumps in later. And we drive deeper into opposing territory, but I'll take the over uh, just to be a little different. And honestly, those are some high stakes types of kicks and they're fun to watch. Unless Matt Nagy comes up with a trick play called, you know, Santa's got a brand new bag that incorporates a 50 yard kick. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if Coach is going to do it. Probably not. But maybe he's done some self-scouting, and he's going to realize he has a good kicker who has the leg to make these kicks. So let's go ahead and get some points on the board because we left too many on there a season ago. Maybe that's it. All right, I got some true and false for us next. True or false, Tariq Cohen will return punts at some point this season. False. There's just no reason to have that happen. You have enough fresh legs to, you know, have that be be taken care of elsewhere. Uh, I'm just, again, I'm from what I've been seeing in terms of some of the, the brief glimpses into how what he's doing, it, I don't even know if he's going to be ready week one. And then once he is finally ready, it... There's a reason they drafted who they drafted. There's a reason they signed who they signed. No, false. Man, I trust you. Uh, so I'm going to say false as well. Uh, just from the physical perspective, I just don't see why they would want to throw him into the fire like that. So I'll take the false. Uh, true or false, Cairo Santos makes the Pro Bowl. True. False. I'm going to go with false. Okay. I was going to say true because I wanted to say true really bad. You heard it right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Pro Bowl is a popularity contest. Cairo Santos is not a, you know, the sexy name out there. And so much of it goes also with team success. Uh, You know, a team that just isn't as good doesn't necessarily get as many players in. Uh, You know, there are just so many other kickers that have better name recognition in households. You know, obviously this is a different division, but the Justin Tuckers of the world, things like that. Uh, I just he had such a great season last year that if you know that didn't do it, then what is going to do it a better team? And I don't know that the bears are going to have a record to support that. Interesting. I'm going to go with true because if he repeats last year, then he becomes a sexy name. He becomes one of those kickers that people talk about. And I'm expecting the bears to have a, a record good enough to keep him in that contention. And if we're all having a good time and Santos is lights out yet again, I think, you know, as large as a fan base that we have, I think we can get him in there. So I'm going to say true uh, for that one for me. Uh, up next, true or false, Last, this is the final year for Patrick O'Donnell as a Chicago Bear. He just keeps going on one-year, one-year, one-year deals. Eventually, that has to stop, right? But is this his final year as a Bear? True, this is Pat O'Donnell's final year as a Bear. You know, we read the stats off. They aren't They aren't exciting. Uh, the thought might be next year that there's going to be some more money to throw around once you sign some of the bigger people. So, you know, you can maybe sign a kicker that or a punter, excuse me, that's a little better. Maybe the Bears finally dive into punting, you know, using a punter draft pick in the seventh round. At some point, though, I feel like the Bears are going to wake up and say, hey, look, we, we need to take another shot at this with someone who might give us a little more bang for our buck. That would be nice. I just don't think they do it. I think Patrick O'Donnell comes back because I'm just following the pattern. It's year after year of one-year deals, and I think he's happy with it. So for me, I'm going to say false. He returns in 2022. Final true or false, Mason? More than three Bears will return kickoffs this year. True. I, I said it earlier in the show. I think it's going to be kickoff by committee. Uh, that there's going to the person who's returning kicks in week one will not be the one that is returning kicks in the final week of the season. I would agree with you, but I don't think it'll be more than three. I think it's going to max out at three. Uh, so for mm. that reason, I will take false. All right, fill in the blank, Mason. The Bears will be in the top blank of kick return average. Again, Patterson has been like the cream of the crop the last two seasons. But by your committee approach, we'll be in the top what? 20, 15, 25, 5? The top 50% in terms <laughs> of that. Uh, it's... Special teams, again, we t- I talked about this earlier, it's so weird. There's a lot of randomness to it. There's, you know, you don't have that established kick returner. That it's it, When you have that committee-esque style that I think they're going to employ, it's sometimes you, it's hard to get a rhythm. I think this is going to be a bit of a down year for those return yardage. Okay. I'm going to say they're in the top 20 uh, as a team. Uh, again, that wouldn't be great per se, just after we've been – towards the top but also i think the bears even by the committee approach maybe lightning will strike and we'll find someone that can do some damage out there and get this off in some better field position and we need it and i think they know that too so i'm gonna hope and i'm gonna say that the bears do finish in the top 20 of kick return average final fill in the blank we will mention 
Patrick Scales in a post-game podcast how many times? Blank times. Sorry, fill in the blank. Blank times. Uh, seven, because now I'll make sure that I do at least seven times. Just throw his <laughs> name out there. Oh, wow. That's cheating. I'll have to mute you. I'll have to put like one of those dump buttons every time you start to say it. Real answer too. There's gonna there's gonna be uh, just a time that I think he'll hit once he hits two tackles. Someone's gonna mention like, oh, he hit two tackles for the year. There we go. Like we, he he met his uh, two expectation from two years ago, and then he's gonna do some probably weird video that they do every year with uh, the kickers and the punter and the long snapper where they I don't know this year they'll do a rap or something and we'll mention like why the heck are we seeing Patrick Kills rapping? So yeah, two, two. I think you may be right because we'll mention his first tackle. That's one. And then the second tackle, and that's two. As long as we're talking about him making tackles on punts, I'm happy. And as long as it's not about botch snaps, we're golden. Uh, so hopefully he's someone that we don't have to mention a lot on this podcast. Uh, for good reasons, Patrick. Uh, keep doing you, man. Let's move on, though, Mason. We have to give out our special teams bold predictions. So what is going to be your special teams bold prediction? So my original bold prediction, he kind of stole my thunder, was going to be that this was Pat O'Donnell's final year and he was going to go out with not a bang but a whisper. So I'm going to change that up a little bit. And instead, I'm going to say that Daz Newsom ends up having three total return touchdowns for the year. That would be nuts, considering my bold prediction was three total return touchdowns for our team. Uh, whether kick or punt. <laughs> so we're just stepping on everyone's toes right now. I got you. You just got me right before I went with it. So I guess I need to call an audible so I can use our podcast namesake. Uh, I will say that my six field goals of 50 plus would be a bold prediction uh, that mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to just kind of go with the easy one that's hanging off the tree, pluck it, and we're going to call it my new bold prediction. So the Bears will have six field goals made from 50-plus on six attempts. So perfect 100% rating on those bad boys. Awesome bold predictions. <laughs> Definitely had to call some, you know, change some things around. That's always fun. But, Mason, we've talked about, you know, this unit now for almost an hour, which I'm pretty proud of ourselves for doing that. Where is your confidence at? Again, there's a lot changed, but also some reasons to, I say, be confident. So it's real, it's finicky. It really depends on perspective. So I'm curious about your perspective. How confident are you in Bayer special teams? 4.6. And that 4.6 is pretty much entirely Cairo Santos. The punter and well, also Patrick Manley can be in the four point six. That's fine, um, but the, with the Patrick punting, Patrick Manley, what's he doing now? You mean Scales? Too many Patrick, Patrick I know. Scales. Wow, and I got Manley on the brain. I saw it in the yeah, chat, and that's all I can mullet. think about. Yeah, um, and with the change of some of the having the stalwarts that are in there, right? You don't have the Barkevius Mangos. You don't have the Shark McManus that you're putting a lot on people that really haven't been a part of a, the professional NFL football team who are going to probably have to step up. And as we talked about earlier, there's a bears special teams hashtag for a reason. For some reason, they just find a way to do funky things. And it's always at very inopportune times where the bears finally gets momentum and right. There's a fumble or the bears finally gets momentum and there's a holding penalty. And so for those instances more so, not as much of the two that you may really heavily think of in terms of your punting and your kicker, that's why it's so low for me. Because I'm just, if anything, I'm confident that once a game we will have that what-the-heck-are-you-doing thought process. I hope not. I hope you're so wrong on this one. <laughs> Please um, be wrong. I'm hoping. I know I know you're hoping too, um, but you're also distressing you know, your gut and what you see and just history in itself. I'm not much higher than you. I'm at about a 5.5. Uh, Santos is a big part of that. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Consistency over there. Do you worry about a little bit of a reality check? I think you have to, as a Bears fan, it just kind of creeps in your mind just a little bit. Uh, all of those, you know, those moments that just scar you for life. Uh, O'Donnell, again, just average. So that doesn't really move my needle or anything of that nature. And then again, who's returning punts? What's three Cohen's health? How are you going to replace Cordero Patterson? Not Patterson, the kick returner only, but also Patterson, the gunner, right? Like he's one of the, you said it on the top of the show, Mason, one of the fastest gunners in the NFL. There are times when we punt that ball and he's the one pretty much catching it. It was ridiculous how quickly he can get down the field, but now that's gone too. So there are so many different pieces 
uh, that are just unknown right now in some very vital spots that kind of have me on edge. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just more of the unknown. And that's why I can't just be ultra confident that, you know, Herbert's going to step in. They're going to choose him, A, to return kicks, and he's going to be perfect. Or Newsom, the other rookie, he's going to return punts, and he's going to be electric. Those are not guarantees. Those are just, you know, projections and favorable projections at that. So until we see something on the field, I'm going to just stay cautiously optimistic. So I'm just over the five at a 5.5. Anything else, Mason, to kind of wrap up this special team show? I think we pretty much covered almost everything you can cover when it comes to special teams without uh, seeing what they're actually going to do in training camp. Uh, I do just want to double down on, because it spurred a little bit uh, conversation in the chat. I'm excited about the Jake Butt signing. Um, we can't really get to, we won't get to talk to him about him again since we already did tight ends. Um, if you recall, I actually had one less tight end than you and Nick did because I just didn't see Jesper Horsted being able to contribute in the both phases like he needed to. If he can stay healthy, I really think Jake Buck can do that because he offers blocking, he offers receiving, he's a big body. It just boils down to can that knee right hold up? And so that's going to be one of the actually actually one of the main things I'm going to watch for when it comes to training camp. How the butt man's doing? I like it. Uh, you know, I know you weren't there. So, is there anything else about Jake Butt that you wanted to throw in here? I know it's not a tight ends episode. We're not going to really talk about him in depth until we get to training camp. But I'll give you any other floor if you feel like there's some you know information you're leaving on the table. He's. He's such an interesting story, right? Coming out of Michigan, he was projected to be a third-round pick, and then he had that injury in the Orange Bowl that really robbed that from him. The Broncos drafted him, and he actually looked – so between the rehab he had for the ACL and then a meniscus injury that he had, he looked really good. Like It looked like he was going to end up being a steal for the Broncos, and he just had that next meniscus injury. And he actually recently put out uh, a little piece that if you actually look Jake Butt, you know, interview, it's pretty easy to find – it, he talks about how his mentality has changed so much since that last knee injury that he had with the meniscus. And that is such an important part. Honestly, just to putting on my PT hat for a second. Please. When it comes to ACL and knee injuries, the kinesiophobia that can be involved or basically fear of movement is huge. And actually, there's a significant, I believe it's three times increase to re-tear your ACL if you have a certain score on this kinesiophobia uh, assessment. And he talks about in this piece about how his mentality on his knee and how his injuries have changed so much that I think he's in a better place mentally with that leg. And so therefore, honestly, a higher chance to not re-injure it. It's, it's crazy how the brain has a huge effect on this stuff. So he's someone that low-key might be a big surprise for me in terms of who makes that final 53. I like that. And I appreciate you sharing some of that. I, didn't, I wasn't totally aware of everything you mentioned. And I learned a new word, kinesophobia, kinesophobia. Can- Kinesiophobia. And I suffered from that after I got my shoulder, you know, desiccated seven times and I got my surgery. It took a lot of time to trust movement outside of that range of motion that I was kind of stuck with for about five years. And now I know there's a term for it. So I I thought I was just a weirdo, Um, but apparently it's pretty common, huh? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's half the time I'm treating people post-surgical. I feel like I'm, you know, an armchair therapist as well as a physical therapist. Yeah, it's like I remember doing like lateral, like just with like a bar and I would it would always slip out like just past my head and I would not put my arm behind my ear. And it took like three months for me just to trust my body to do that. It was a cool feeling once you did it and you got confidence, you have a little bit of weight back there. That was tremendous. But I'm that's awesome. That's a real thing. And I can put that word in my back pocket. So whenever I talk about my shoulder to people, I can say I suffered from some of that uh, kinesophobia. So thank you, Mason. I'm glad I asked if you had anything else because that was a tremendous way to kind of end this special team show on a off-topic slash on-topic sort of deal. But I'm going to go ahead and call it. That's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. I uh, love seeing everyone here in the live chat. I know it's a different day than normal, uh, but with the upcoming holiday weekend, uh, some work schedule stuff, uh, this just kind of worked best for us. Um, but again, I uh, appreciate everyone here live as course to everyone too around the entire globe listening to this podcast. And again, even though we gave away a free jersey today to Chase, so by the way, Chase, one more last reminder, send me that email. Uh, we are planning on giving away another one once we reach 700 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which means we're only Devin Hester, Kyle Fuller, whatever whatever player, insert here, 23 
reviews away. So if you haven't left that review yet, uh, please just take one moment to help us reach that next milestone. And let's just keep giving away free Bears jerseys. We'll be back next week for that next Countdown to Camp episode where we go back to the Bears defense for an in-depth look at cornerback. Do the Bears have the players to still play at a high level without Kyle Fuller? Is Jalen Johnson the CB1? And should you be concerned about him shouldering the load? Who do we expect to line up at nickel in place of Buster Screen? We'll discuss those questions and a whole lot more next time. But until then, have a happy 4th of July for those who live here in the States. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.